Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Conf T with ERSC, recorded Tuesday, March 10th, 2020. A quick reminder that the thoughts and opinions expressed here are our own, and to please consult with Cisco TAC or Cisco Certified Partners before implementing any of the recommendations made on the show. I am your host, Brian Young, and I'm here with my... Oh, I forgot to I forgot to think of a of a new uh, adjective for you. Hold on. No, I I made a promise. I got to I'm really hoping you just leave this in and don't cut it out. <laughs> Brian struggles with words. Um here we go. I'm here with my noteworthy colleague and co-host Brian Boyd. How are you, sir? Doing well, Brian. Unfortunately, uh for the viewers, um, I will not be on this podcast, just the intro and outro. So I know it's disappointing, but uh, yes. it's disappointing for me too. <laughs> yes, you had to go fight a fire yesterday and uh, take care of another emergency with uh, with a customer. Which is something I think everyone listening can relate to as well. Yes, yes, especially if they're uh, another Cisco SE. So um, yeah, well, you did get a chance uh, though to listen to um, yesterday's recording with our guest Sean Fury. But before we dive into that, um, we did want to touch on a couple quick things with um, it being March 10th right now, 2020, and a lot of stuff going on in the world regarding COVID-19. Uh, we did want to mention a few things that Cisco is doing and Cisco can do uh, to provide you with some assistance. So. We are currently offering free trials of our WebEx product and Duo product. It's basically, I believe they're, uh, and I know if the Duo piece, it's unlimited. For WebEx, there's a few limitations. But the idea here is that if you're not a company that has a, a, a large WebEx presence or ability to work from home, that we want to give you the tools to be able to do that. Um, and it obviously would be time-based so that, yeah, you know, get you over the hump. But the idea here is we're we're trying to offer these uh, trials and solutions for you. Um, other solutions that we can cover in terms of bolstering up your company's ability to work from home, if that's something you guys end up doing. Uh, obviously, VPN. We've been doing that forever. Uh, Umbrella, as we'll discuss today, great for protecting your mobile workforce. Um, but the big piece here is obviously the VDI infrastructure. If you have a need, and we've we've actually been seeing this quite a bit with our customers recently, where you want to uh, build a new or expand out your VDI infrastructure, we do have a very good story around what we can offer there with our HyperFlex solution, uh, including not just you know, standard Windows desktops, but also um CAD design uh, desktops for uh, engineers and stuff like that. We've been working with a few customers already that have been looking into that and been able to provide them with some solid solutions. And just going back to the trial licensing very quickly, um, you know, as Brian mentioned, it is time-based. They are extended trials, so it's going to be a large amount of time. But if you need more, just reach out to your account team. I mean, Cisco's here to help. We're not trying to profit off of something like the coronavirus where we're here to help and we want to work with you. Um, and one more thing, uh, lead times. So uh, if you've already tried to purchase something from Cisco, you've probably noticed that they are going up. Um, a supply chain is, is a little bit disrupted and it'll probably end up getting worse. So if you are looking at making any purchases, um, looking to get any Cisco equipment on site, I would get those in as soon as possible because I think that lead times are only going to go up from here. Yeah, that's a very good point, Brian. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, either 
either topic here as far as trials and offerings, um, solutions or lead times, please be sure to reach out to your account team. They can provide you insights with what's available uh, specifically for your locale and kind of what lead times you'd be facing for the products that you're either looking at or just recently uh, purchased. So as always, please reach out to your account team for more details. Uh, and with that, Brian, I think we'll kind of switch over to the topic uh, topic today. What do you think? Sounds good to me. All right. So we had the opportunity to, well, I had the opportunity because Brian was uh, was on vacation there. Um, <laughs> we had the opportunity to talk with uh, Sean Fury from the Umbrella team. And for those who have been listening since the beginning, back on episode 10, we actually had a conversation with him as well about Umbrella. We had a deep dive about Umbrella. And if you haven't listened to it already, uh, go ahead, pause this one, go back, listen to episode 10 and come back because it'll really give you some insight as to the core functionality of the product. Um, but today we delve deeper into one of the newer offerings coming out of that product known as SIG or Secure Internet Gateway. So let's jump right into that. All right, we are here with Sean Fury. How you doing, Sean? Pretty good, pretty good. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, <laughs> indeed. Uh, appreciate you joining us again. Uh, for those who haven't listened to the podcast before, Sean was with us on a previous episode where we talked about the same topic, but I did want to bring him on for some updates around Cisco Umbrella and especially talking about the Secure Internet Gateway, also known as SIG. So for my audience that hasn't gotten to listen to you before or met you, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your, your, your title and role at Cisco and, uh, uh, and what you do? Yeah, so um, I'm a technical um, systems engineer for uh, cloud security. Um, I support uh, Umbrella, AMP, CloudLock, uh, and cloud email security. I can't, I've been with Cisco for around five years, and I actually came in from the uh, OpenDNS acquisition. Nice. So you were you were already at OpenDNS, and how long were you at OpenDNS before the acquisition? I was probably two years, I believe. I was still in. Um, I was actually in in, in post sales support at the time. Uh, okay, so this is a bit of a change of pace for you going onto the pre sales side now. Yes. Yep. Pretty much. Which one do you like better? Um, I like getting in front. And I say this a lot. I like getting in front of the fires before they happen, because you know, in <laughs> in in support, you're just kind of tossed it at that point, and, and who knows what's already been done. It's too at least, late. at least if if I'm architecting something, then it's on me if it's bad at the end, right? And then I don't want to give my old friends in support like a really uh, terrible deployment. So I try to make sure I can get in front of it first. Nice. Well, I know that I've personally used you as my uh, as my go to guy uh, for anything that's come up. Uh, technical on my on my customer's side, right, uh, in terms of pre-sales or even post-sales support, uh, because of the fact that you came from the support side, you've been uh, absolutely instrumental in that regard. And anyone that's uh, gotten a chance to work with you, I, I'm sure feels the same. So I just want to start by just saying thank you to that one, because you have been you have been a savior in that regard. So <laughs> you know your stuff. <laughs> Thank you. I like that. And, 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 and not to kind of go back with the compliments, but you kind of are, you're really good about kind of dealing with, with your own umbrella cases and your own umbrella deployments. So you're one of the less needy SEs, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I'll, I'll get the list of the, of those needy ones off the air. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So we can, we can be sure to razz them, but uh, enough about the, about us. Um, obviously the point of this episode is to really discuss umbrella. So on the previous episode, we dove into what Umbrella was uh, sitting at the DNS layer, um, global resolver, recursive DNS, 
Uh, and then, of course, being able to block threats and also offer some content filtering there because of the fact that we're at the DNS layer. We touched on the roaming clients uh, and the ability to protect a device no matter if it's on or off network. If you haven't listened to that episode, if you're not familiar with Umbrella, please go back, You know, pause this here, go back, look for it. I believe the uh, title was Protecting the Edge. Um, and we really dove deep into what Umbrella does and how it works. Uh, and just to give you kind of a baseline so that we can kind of kick off from there uh, in this episode. So what we want to discuss today was the updates on the Umbrella packages. Back when we recorded this, the other episode, there were, uh, I think, three packages that we were looking at. It was, it was um, Professional, Insights, and uh, Investigate. Um, we still have Investigate as kind of that separate tool. Uh, but we've kind of changed around the uh, and broken up the DNS stuff versus the secure internet gateway. Uh, and I wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit and kind of uh, hear from you where the similarities and differences fall uh, today versus uh, before when we were offering the different packages. Yeah, the newer packages, they're much easier to consume and they have, um, it actually gives you probably more bang for your buck because with Insights, which which was the middle tier, you didn't get things like the um, Enforcement API or the Investigate Console, right. what we've sort of done. And then if you wanted that, you would have to go with Platform. And then if you wanted the Investigate API to ingest that into a SIM or, or Cisco Threat Response, for example, um, you would have to that separately so we've now have dns essentials and dns security advantage are the two uh, main dns um, packages and with dns security advantage it's essentially platform plus the investigate api Um, and obviously i'm I'm technical so so i'm not big on numbers but from what i'm seeing it's around this it's 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 comparable to what you were kind of paying for for insights probably a little bit more but so let's touch on this just a little bit more because I think this is important. The APIs are important, especially when we're talking Cisco Threat Response, right? Now, Cisco Correct. Threat Response is a free product uh, for any of our Cisco security customers. If you have AMP, if you have Umbrella, if you have email security, you get access to this tool automatically. And the power behind it, we do have an episode, I believe, that we cover this in detail. I know we've mentioned it uh, across a couple of other episodes as well. Uh, The benefit of this tool is really when you have two or more security products in play because it allows you to query those tools within your environment to look for certain things, right? Different indicators of compromise, maybe a file hash, uh, an email or whatever to kind of see how a threat possibly could have come into your network, what happened to it, what was its attack vector, did it move laterally, stuff like that. And then, as you mentioned with the enforcement API, actually take action against it, such as telling Umbrella, hey, I want you to block this domain across everything. I, I don't trust this domain. Maybe it was okay because it was it's a benign domain by itself, but because it's part of a, of a larger campaign, I want you to just block it. Photobucket being, uh, um, I think, what was the was it Olympic Destroyer and Photobucket that were kind of linked together? Or was it Emotech? Uh, I think Olympic, no, I think it was, wasn't, yeah, no, you're right. It was, um, Olympic Destroyer was, yeah, because they were basically hosting the um, command and control servers in the actual, uh, I think it's the EXIF data in in the pictures on, right, on Photobucket right. because Photobucket itself isn't isn't malicious, right? But they were using it as a way to kind of get the get the uh, command and control servers to to the endpoints. So that's a great way. That that's a great example of how contextual information is super important, right? Because again, Photobucket benign, right? It's it's a uh, you know it, it's fine. It wasn't infected. It didn't show up on our list. Yes, it was part of a of a campaign, but 
it's a generally benign domain. So, but if you said, "Hey, listen, uh, it's part of this bigger campaign. I have no business use for it. Therefore, I want to go ahead and block it." You would be able to see all that within CTR, and then also take that action to just right-click on the domain and block, and then through the API calls, go ahead and uh, have that enforced on your network. So that uh, I just I'm, I wanted to touch on the API thing because that's kind of the importance of where they come into play. Most most customers may think, well. Why the hell do I care about the APIs? What am I going to use that for? That's the use case right there, using uh, Cisco Threat Response and the built-in capabilities there with those APIs to be able to um, take action and, and also read the information from your organization. So uh, now that I took that completely off track, please continue. <laughs> no, and I, I, I think the only other piece with with the APIs I mentioned is is the um, the investigate API that's included as well. So obviously that would tie into threat response and you could see what what we know about a particular domain. But on the other side of uh, things, if you wanted to integrate that that investigate API into say your SIM, right, and you're ingesting other 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 security um, log data, you can then use that to enrich. Your, your other tools, whether they be Cisco tools or or, or or another vendor's security tools, right? So it's a nice way to kind of um, kind of tie it all together. Nice. So so that's where we kind of transition the uh, pro platform and an insights SKUs and and plat, uh, packages into the DNS uh, security, uh, with the two tiers being DNS security and DNS advantage. Correct. Uh, essentials and advantage. Essentials and advantage. Sorry. So DNS security uh, essentials and DNS security advantage. Uh, really, the big difference between the two um, being the um, the intelligent proxy, or, or no, we have a different name for that now, right? Selective proxy. Correct. Ooh, <laughs> selective <laughs> proxy. Um, so yeah, and and let's just dive the end a little bit into what the selective proxy is is all about. There, if you don't mind, Sean. Yeah. So essentially. Um, 95% of the stuff that, that we block is, is, is going to be domain-based, but there may be some traffic that, that we want to do a little bit deeper inspection um, on. So instead of us just returning the block page, um, we'll, we'll return the IP address of one of our proxy servers and send that traffic through. Um, if the user has a, a SL decrypt on for that traffic, then we'll also decrypt it and send it and send anything um, downloaded through it to the AMP cloud for disposition. And if AMP doesn't know anything about it, we'll do a traditional um, antivirus check and then block it at that level or start passing it back down to the user. So it allows us to, um, we call it our gray domains. So it, it it allows us to look a little bit deeper at something that may not be a hundred percent malicious, but it's suspicious enough, or or allows us to kind of um, block the bad stuff and still allow the good stuff through for maybe those more high traffic sites where if we completely block the domain outright, um, it would cause a kind of a, a productivity halt. So we can at least still protect you at that level. Um, and I, I love giving the example of kind of opening up a web page and you got all these different resources getting pulled from all these different servers and all these queries happening. Uh, but then there's that little, you know, 100 pixel by 100 pixel advertisement in the corner that's going to a domain that's that falls onto that gray list, right? Where it's not known good, not known bad, but we're not really sure about it. It's, it's suspicious. We want to go ahead and proxy that connection. The nice part is, is that from a user experience standpoint, this is this is completely um, uh, you don't see it, right? It's, it's right. the 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 user just loads up the page, everything loads up the way it should. Maybe that proxied connection takes a little bit longer to load because it is proxied, uh, and it is going through a bunch of inspection engines. And by a little bit longer, I mean you know half a second, right? But the experience of the customer, it's transparent. They don't know what's going on, uh, and the beauty that's the beauty of it being all in the cloud 
and and the experience is consistent whether they're on the network or off. Correct. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter if they're on the corporate network, considering because the proxies are going to be in the cloud and they're just going to go to them just like they would regardless of where they are. Very cool. So this is really <clears throat> kind of the review of, of what we discussed already with the um, the DNS security stuff, Umbrella being the way that we've known it. Um, the thing I want to dive into today is SIG, Secure Internet Gateway. So this is going to be for those customers that want that additional level of, of proxying, right, for a majority of their traffic rather than just the selective bits like the uh, selective proxy works, right? Can you can you introduce us into uh, into what SIG is and, and how we're using it today? Yeah, so SIG is essentially, so it's our secure internet gateway, and, and there's a few components. There's our SWG component, so our secure web gateway, which is the full proxy, and then there's CDFW, which is our cloud-delivered firewall. Um, so with the cloud-delivered firewall, you can use that as a mechanism to direct traffic to the proxy, or you can just use it just to egress um, out of our data center and, and, and apply, you know, just regular firewall rules like like you would normally, but at that point we're going to be applying it in the cloud. So block people from getting to FTP, for example, right. Or, or SSH, um, as they're riding the tunnel. Um, the big, I think the, the big differentiator with SIG is it's just a, it's not necessarily a whole new product line. It's still, it's still umbrella at, at, at the end of the day, because the DNS query is still going to happen. We're still going to do DNS first, right? So if, if we can filter out the noise and filter out all the malicious stuff and just drop it on the floor without having to pass it through the proxy, we're going to do that first, right? There's, right. There, there's no point in, in, in sending that to the proxy. Really, where where SIG would come into play is um, once the once we make a, a a decision on the query, right? Are we going to allow it? Are we going to block it? If it's blocked, we'll just we'll just block it, right? And then if it's allowed, then that's where we can kind of apply the web policy. And with the web policy, that's going to allow you to get that more granular control because we're seeing all the traffic, right? And as, assuming that the customer is actually doing um, full SSL decrypt, we're allowed to do those more um, granular application controls. So, so with Umbrella today, or, or or with just DNS, we can do controls around specific applications. So we can block and allow Dropbox, for example, right? So mm-hmm. you could block the file storage category, but then allow Dropbox at, at a DNS level. But with SIG, that's going to allow you to do something like block Dropbox upload. So you can still allow Dropbox. People can download it because they may be using, they may be working with with a vendor that um, shares files through Dropbox. So you can download through Dropbox, but then you don't want people uploading to Dropbox. You don't want them mm. uploading confidential data there. So we can block that. And the same goes for like Box, right? And then, and then for things like Gmail. So you can get let people get to their personal mail, but don't allow them to upload. So we're able to get very, very um, granular um, with those controls. Um, and then also on, on top of that, we're also able to give you bandwidth reporting for that too. So um, I think we discussed it in the last episode, our application discovery report. So that's pulling in, um, that's sort of our shadow IT tool. It's, it's pulling in application data from um, our CASB cloud lock. Mm-hmm. And essentially what that was doing was it was showing you your most active applications on your network based on DNS requests. And then you could pull that in by user. So you could say, um, we sanctioned OneDrive, but we're seeing a lot of traffic or, or we're seeing a lot of DNS requests for Dropbox. But now with SIG, since we're seeing everything at this point, we can actually give you the, the total number of uploads, the total number of downloads um, in gigabytes or megabytes, right? Or, or what have you. And, and at that point, you could say, okay, Jane and HR is uploading a lot of documents to Dropbox. Um, let's go have a conversation, right? And then you could you can apply that application control right 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 from that report. So it, is, so it allows us to, on, on top of granular controls, also more granular reporting um, as to what a user is actually doing. That's that's cool because I, there's been many times when I'm having conversations with my, with my customers and they they love the idea of what Umbrella has always done right by by ex- where it exists in the DNS layer right and what it can do. But the problem 
the the double edged sword of existing in the DNS layer. Obviously, I'm going to know about the I'm going to block the the request before connection is made, right? So less reliance on my firewall uh, because if I'm just if I'm just dropping it on the table, as you said, when the request is going to that malicious domain, I don't have to worry about all the other bits and pieces that my next generation firewall is going to offer in terms of um, either monitoring, protecting, uh, or just blocking that connection. So it's less things for the firewall to have to worry about just by blocking at the DNS level. But the downfall of that is that once I allow that connection, it's outside of the purview of Umbrella, right? I'm not I'm not getting any more information. Uh, a great question I always got was, okay, I can block Facebook, but can I... Um, can I see how how long a user is on Facebook? And I'm like, eh. I mean, you can infer it based on the queries that are coming in that are going to Facebook, but no, we're not looking at the connection to Facebook. We're not we're not a proxy. We're not proxying that connection. Um, for that, you would probably want to look at something like that, something that's in line, whether that's a web proxy firewall, something like that. Um, so this kind of fills that gap um, for the customers based on what you're telling me, right? So we can't, I just want to make sure, we, we, we can't say how long somebody's been sitting on Facebook. We're not doing that type of reporting. Right. So right. it would just be how much traffic they've gone on Facebook, but you couldn't see that someone sat there for, for two hours. But yes, we do have much more granular reporting um, when when using the, the full proxy. Very cool. So now let me ask you this. Um, why would a customer want to go down the path of doing uh, a SIG? Uh, what would be the use case there that would make sense for them to look into either the, the cloud-based firewall, the, the, the uh, secure internet gateway solution that would t- basically tunneling all their traffic from that location up into the cloud for, for processing? What would be the use cases there? Yeah, for the cloud firewall, um, there's a few use cases. One is if maybe you have a guest network and you don't want that egressing your public IP space, so you don't want it to come from from your IP space, so you're just going to send that all um, down the tunnel and just have it egress our, our data centers. It could improve things like your bit site score. Um, another way would be um, just to get traffic to the proxy because at that point, if it's on the router, if it's on the firewall, you can just force that, you know, just force a VLAN down the tunnel and then they're going to hit hit the umbrella proxy at that point. So there's, it's going to be a little bit harder for them to circumvent it. Um, also branch offices, right? So maybe there's not a, an actual firewall at this branch office. Maybe you're just shipping a, uh, just a uh, ISR router, right? That that supports IPsec, have the tunnel already configured, have someone just plug in the internet. Um, once it gets there, it, the tunnel is established, and then you just have you know all the traffic routing out the umbrella data center, and then and then hitting the uh, proxy policy at, at at that point. So it's going to make a branch deployments um, a little bit easier, um, and sort of going to kind of complement that 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 SD WAN use case. So. Really beneficial for customers that don't necessarily want to put a full-fledged, like let's say, a firepower firewall on on location, right? They they just want to deploy that SD WAN uh, solution. And I was reading in one of the um, reports, and I believe it's going to be in one of the lists that one of the links that we sent out uh, and attached to this uh, episode here, where there's a significant amount of companies that are moving to that SD WAN. Um, kind of mindset and that direct internet access mindset because of the fact that, that there are so many applications now that are hosted in the cloud, it just makes sense for them to drop all web-based traffic on the wire at that location rather than tunneling it through whatever WAN connection that they have and saturating that uh, just to go to Office 365 or whatever, right? There's just no no real 
use case that that makes sense to tunnel everything back. Um, and is that is that what you're seeing as well? Is that kind of where SIG would really fit in for just deploying to those locations and not having to put something as as big as a firepower box over there? Yeah, and, and, and because in the the cost of MPLS too, right? Like if that's what that's what we're seeing. A lot of people they kind of want to get rid of the MPLS and just kind of have you know any site to site traffic just go over the tunnel if if they need to get to a corporate data center or whatnot, and then just kind of send send the rest uh, directly out using their internet connection because it's going to be uh, cheaper than having an MPLS line. Right. Now, I know that you mentioned that SIG is not really new. I mean, it's it's newish, but it's it's not really uh, completely redefining anything here in terms of what we've been doing. It's just kind of the expansion of it. But I, I know there were some uh, recent announcements that were, that were made as far as uh, new features that have come out. Do you want to uh, share with us uh, what those are? Yeah, some of the newer ones. Um, File type controls. So that's currently in, in limited availability. I believe it's going to be, don't hold me to these dates. <laughs> but um, if if you are interested in file type controls, you can contact your um, Cisco account manager. We can get that turned on. So essentially, it's going to allow you to block, you know, based on file type, right? So block dot doc files, block dot PDFs um, based on individual users and groups. So it's just like your normal, like um, if if you're familiar with with Umbrella DNS today, it's going to be the, the same type of policy management. You're just going to pick and choose what you want to uh, allow and block and, and control in the web policy. And one of those is is file type controls, and, that, and that's one of the newer ones. Mm. Um, also, s- somewhat new, um, AnyConnect has has Active Directory support. So for um, AnyConnect with the SWG module, so, so, the, so the SWG module in AnyConnect now, is a dual module. It's going to have the DNS roaming security as it always has. Mm-hmm. And then it's also going to forward all AD and 443 traffic as well as um, have, have the identity of, of the logged in user. So at that point you can create um, full proxy policies, even if somebody's sitting at a Starbucks, not on VPN, and you'll still be able to apply that policy and, and view what they did um, through the full pro- proxy and, and DNS. So that's basically, it sounds like you're kind of able to enforce like an always-on proxy using AnyConnect and the what was the the it was a secure web gateway module, right? SWG, yeah, correct, yep. So AnyConnect four point eight MR one or higher. Okay, because I did I, I had an interesting conversation with a customer uh, recently about uh, always-on VPN and some of the issues that I've run across when trying to enforce always-on VPN is when you're going to a hotspot. And mm-hmm. it wants to redirect you to some public website to either process payment or maybe Facebook to say, hey, check in here to, for, for free internet access. And when you have one of those always on VPNs that enforces you to only go to this, the, uh, to this uh, connection, uh, otherwise block all traffic and it can't get past the hotspot right. to uh, be allowed, you, you can't get anywhere. So the user experience is very, very poor there. Uh, how is this different? So this isn't going to be a VPN necessarily. It's just it's just forwarding eighty and eighty and four four three traffic directly to the proxy. So you would still be able to hit the captive portal um, for those hotspots. But at that point, you won't need to be VPN because you're going to be sending. Obviously, all your DNS queries are going to be going there too, and then mm-hmm. all all of your proxy traffic. And then with full SSL decrypt, um, we'd be able to see um, all all of that traffic and not just block at at the DNS level like we have in the past. So this really solves the problem of customers who want the security that an always VPN, always on VPN would provide in terms of being able to send that traffic back for proper analysis or whatever, put it through their firewalls, et cetera. Um, it gives them all the, those benefits uh, in terms of securing their data without the the bad user experience of, you know, not being able to get to hotspot portals 
as well as not having to rely on the infrastructure at that particular location, right? Because the other issue with ever having to do an always-on VPN and a, a site-based proxy is if that site is down or if there's a lot of traffic going in and out of there, the experience is slow. Whereas, of course, with right. this solution, uh, everything's in the cloud, you know, Cisco data centers, there's a lot of uh, um, power behind those to make sure that the user experience uh, is good. So it, it sounds to me like a win-win in that regard. Right, and and the other big thing is 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 as everyone knows, um, Umbrella DNS uses AnyCast routing, so you're going to be routed to the closest data center. The the same goes for the SWG module; you're going to be routed to the closest data center with with the full proxy, regardless of where you are. So if you're not on the VPN and you're traveling, you're not tied to you know one location where HQ was at that point. Right, right. Versus a VPN where you're just tied to a physical location. Wow, that's that's pretty cool. Um, uh, that's I, I always love uh, doing these shows because uh, there's always a time when I learn something myself and uh, that's really, really cool. So when we're talking about these types of technologies, obviously there's always some competitors out there that are doing same thing or similar things, maybe a little bit differently. Uh, they maybe have a different mousetrap, a better mousetrap uh, or vice versa. Maybe we do. Uh, what are some of the competitive differentiators that uh, that we can provide to our customers when they're considering a solution like SWG, SIG, something like that? I think it's, it's, it's the benefit. I, I think the, the, the big one is obviously the, the efficacy, right? So mm-hmm. think of, you know, we have Talos, right? And we still have the legacy open DNS research team as well. So there's two research teams here that are, that are constantly pumping data in, in, into umbrella as as a whole so when it comes to efficacy like we really it, it's bar none right we're seeing around i think it's 180 billion 185 billion queries a day it's four to five percent of the world's dns traffic mm. so with dns plus the efficacy uh, of of being able to inspect all the traffic with with the full proxy so the so the piece we didn't mention was um we obviously mentioned more granular application controls and and, and whatnot so if 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 if, if you have that type of Use case, you can also kind of tie that with with security because we are still security first. Right. But with the full proxy, um, we can also send traffic to AMP, like we can with the selective proxy. But the other cool thing is we can actually send uh, unknown files to ThreatGrid now. So we can send it to Cisco Sandbox, and then we will return a, um, a, a, a retroactive report within Umbrella saying, hey, we saw this person go and download this file. We didn't know anything about it, but now we do. And now and, and that was malicious, and we've gone ahead and, and, and blocked it. So... Um, there's there's a lot of extra security controls um, with 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 SIG as well that um, I think really kind of differentiates uh, us us from our competitors just because we see more data than I think anybody right now at this point because Talos is what the largest commercial uh, threat intelligence agency yeah. right now yeah it's uh, the, the numbers they tout are, are are pretty pretty impressive and uh, we've had a couple conversations with the Talos teams um, throughout you know the the show's history here. Uh, so if you want to learn more about Talos, be sure and check those out. Um, this is uh, this is really cool, Sean. I'm, I'm glad we finally get a chance to to reconnect and um, do an update on on this product. I think it was uh, about time, especially with all the changes we've made with the introduction of SIG. Um, and it definitely definitely makes sense to me, as I tell my cust- my listeners all the time. Um, if this is something that you're interested in, want to learn more about, reach out to your account team. Uh, hopefully you get uh, someone as well-versed as Sean to be able to demo it for you uh, and answer any questions that you have. Uh, Sean, is there anything else that you want to add that we didn't cover uh, before we wrap things up here? I think the one piece I, I, I did have on my list was just the the deployment methods for, for the proxy because obviously 
as everyone knows, Umbrella DNS is extremely easy to kind of use and and, and, mm-hmm. and deploy as just DNS at the end of the day. Um, when it comes to the proxy, it's going to be that the cloud firewall that we mentioned is one mechanism. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the the AnyConnect module and then proxy chaining. So if you already have a maybe a, a on-prem proxy, you can just use proxy chaining to get traffic to 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 the umbrella proxies as maybe you're migrating to a IPsec tunnel or what have you, and obviously your traditional pack file as well. So there's multiple ways to deploy. Um, and then for user identity, we can do things like we mentioned with with, with AnyConnect and then also SAML. So if you have you know your Duo, it's a Cisco product, right? So yeah. you can use Duo, you can use Azure AD um, to kind of get user identity um, for proxy traffic that's not using the uh, AnyConnect module. Nice. Very cool. And if our listeners want to connect with you, where can we find you? Are you on the the interwebs, on the social medias? I am. I, you can find me on LinkedIn. I I, you're going to put me on the spot because I don't know what my LinkedIn username uh, is. It's we'll probably it, just Sean Fury. Yeah, we can put it in the show notes. <laughs> we'll, put it in, we'll put the link in the show notes. I don't think anyone knows theirs. I, I was on the spot. I put myself on the spot last time. I was like, I think it's Brian Young. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we'll we'll be sure to put the uh, any, the links to that uh, in the show notes as well as as well as the rest of the topics that uh, we discussed today. Sean, thank you so much for your time. Great to chat with you again, and uh, hope to have you on another another time for some more updates. Thanks for having me, Brian. So, Brian, now that you have a chance to listen to yesterday's uh, interview with Sean, what do you uh, what did you think? Yeah, really interesting stuff. I mean. Um just looking at the base umbrella functionality, that's that's pretty intriguing to me. But adding on the cloud-based firewall and what that can mean for branch locations, guest traffic, things like that, some of those use cases are really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the, the ability to basically provide firewall-type solution for endpoints when they're off the network, just like we can provide content and security filtering, uh, solutions from a DNS layer when the devices are off the network. I think that really just just makes things a lot more secure, right? It's as we've mentioned many times, the 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 edge is getting it's getting blurrier every time, right? It's getting more and more fuzzy. Devices are coming in, devices are going out, services are going out. Um, so really having this full kind of solution, including the cloud-based firewall and the secure internet gateway for, for branches and stuff like that really makes a a huge difference and, and bolsters the, the already incredible product that Umbrella is. Right. And the integration with CTR as well. I know we've talked about that a couple of times on the podcast, but, um, adding that information in to the, uh, the centralized sort of security console that that customers are going to be using is um also very compelling yeah and i'm glad you mentioned that because ctr is definitely a huge differentiator when it comes to the ability to correlate um the security data that your infrastructure and, and your network is seeing um it's if you haven't seen a demo of it you definitely should reach out to your account team and ask for it it's a really powerful tool. And if you already are a Cisco security product customer, if you have AMP, if you have Umbrella, if you have email security, uh, you have access to this product already. And it's it's free. It's one of the, uh, the fastest growing products that Cisco has made, probably because it's free. <laughs> and uh, we haven't talked about it too much because there's still a lot of uh, of kind of things shrouded in, in mystery with this particular product. But we do have the secure X product launch coming 
I think next month. Um, when we get some more information, we'll be sure to share that on the podcast. But that is supposed to take CTR to a new level. And from why my understanding is supposed to incorporate a lot more third party stuff to uh, to be able to ingest and feed into and like Sims and stuff like that. So, um, again, we're still kind of waiting for more information on our end. But as soon as we have that, we'll be sure to uh, probably we'll make an episode just on SecureX based on kind of what I'm seeing already. So we'll be sure to share that out as soon as we get some. But um, no, I think this was uh, this was great. Uh, Brian, any uh, any final thoughts for you? Nothing for me, Brian. Uh, you are a man of so few words, but that's okay. I'm, I'm more than make up for it. Uh, I do want to mention one more thing. Um, I had the pleasure to be on another podcast that I was invited to called We the Sales Engineers uh, with Ramsey and Benny. I'm, I don't want to murder their last name, so I'm not going to try it. But these guys were awesome. We had a conversation around my uh, tenure here at Cisco and kind of coming from the positions that I had previously. Uh, And overall, it was just a really great conversation. If you uh, find it interesting, go check it out. I'll be sure to include uh, a link in the show notes. And be sure to subscribe to their podcast as well. They uh, they do a nice job. I've been uh, listening to them ever since they reached out and find a lot of their things uh, very informative and helpful. So I just wanted to mention that. And I think with that, we'll wrap this up. Brian, always a pleasure to, uh, to be speaking with you. And thank you for joining me. And thank you for listening to Conf T with your SE. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, a topic you'd like to suggest, please send us an email at hello at conft.show. And if you like the show, please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues and giving us a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you're not already subscribed, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you can get notified when we publish a new episode every two weeks. Show notes for this episode can be found on our website at conft.show. That's C-O-N-F-T dot S-H-O-W. As always, stay safe out there and don't forget to save that config.